Hi, this is Bailey Curry. Dallin Bestwick here. Brennan Gaunt here, former driver number 62. This is Gary Owen from the Going YouTube channel. Hi, I'm Rafael Sard. Quick Pick Podcast. It's not that tough. Connor, Ethan, Quick Pick Podcast. You're listening to it. Everybody tune in. Welcome back to the Quick Pit Podcast. I'm here with Ethan, joined by Connor this week, fresh off of an all-star weekend. Another episode of the Quick Pit Podcast, powered by the Variety Sports Network at VSN on social media and on YouTube. This episode is also brought to you by SpoilerDieCast.com, 213Simware.com, and Washington on the Daily. How are you doing today, Connor? Doing good, doing good. It is uh, Tuesday here. Time, time stamp for you is Tuesday, May 23rd at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon here on the East Coast. It's Tuesday, and uh, me and Ethan got our eyes set on this weekend because uh, we're making the trip up, to, or for us, trip west uh, out to Indianapolis for the Indy 500. Super excited for that. Seems like these past couple of days have gone so, so, so slow as we're slowly inching towards when we leave Saturday morning, but super excited for that. Um, and we got a great race this weekend. Um, the car might have been a little, little, you know, it, it might not have been the best racing with the car, but you just got to like admire the fact they were back. The crowd was amazing. The place looked awesome under the lights. It, it was epic, fun to watch. And I mean, I, I think you're right here with me, Ethan. I think we both want to go next year. Yeah, absolutely. I the, the one thing I would okay, so this is an interesting question that popped into my head. We might as well jump right into the deep end here. I feel like we're not going to get any other segments recorded today with our time constraints. We're going to spend it all talking about Wilkesboro and then have to finish the rest later in the week. But do you think that NASCAR should start downsizing attendance or downsizing their tracks capabilities? Because Let's face it, if you put 35,000 at Daytona, it looks empty. If you put 35, pretty much any other track, 35,000 is half or less than half the capacity of all the other tracks on the schedule. And so the crowd looked great. The tickets were, uh, it was a sellout for grandstand seating. I did see that it's not technically a sellout because um, some of the, like, the party deck stuff didn't sell or whatever, which doesn't really matter. They sold out the grandstands and that's what we come to see. I mean, we tried to get tickets to that race and we couldn't. Um, there was a land rush to get them when they made them available. And, but at the same time, pretty much any other track, 35,000 looks empty. So do we make, you know, we're definitely not in the heyday of NASCAR anymore. You know, we're not in the time where we can sell 150,000 seats to Texas like we used to be able to. I mean, all sports are struggling with this, right? You know, all sports are struggling with attendance right now. And, and so, and NASCAR doubly so. I, I, it's an interesting question because you do have to add the caveat in that, yes, it was a sellout. It was a crazy crowd. It was awesome to see, but it's only 35,000. I think it all depends on where you're going, what type of track, because as you're right, Texas has way too many seats. And, but that was also in the NASCAR heyday where you could sell that, as you mentioned, which was a good point. It, it is an interesting thing. And I think there would be a happy ground for each racetrack. Like, 35,000 North Wilkesboro, they could bump that up a couple thousand and they would still be a sellout. Um, but and oh, even, yeah. like, even Bristol, we saw with the dirt race, that place looked empty. And what I wanted to Bristol probably is, still had more people there than Wilkesboro, though. Yeah. And what I want to mention here is I don't know if you remember at Pocono how they put the tarps up in the front little rows of the drivers to kind of fill space. I mean, that just looks bad on TV. So if they want to do something like that, where that you know, I I would love the idea to downsize grandstands to make them look full. It looks better. It's just more eye appealing. But you got to either gonna have to tarp sections off, which will also look ugly. You're gonna have to. I would rather if you tarp sections off, be up way up top of the grandstands. Or, I mean, what I was gonna bring up is Dover. 
Remember when Dover had two races a year and they weren't selling as many tickets? Now that they're one race a year, someone on Twitter brought this up after the Monday race. On Monday, the stands were pretty much packed full. And that's because... At least the front stretch. The front stretch was very full. And I bet you if it was on Sunday, because we saw that last year at Dover on Sunday when it was packed, it's if you downsize, if there's two races at a track and it's only one, you make that adjustment, there's only one, people will prioritize that more and they will go. And that was shown at Dover. And I think that could be an awesome reason. But yeah, I I agree with you. I I want the stance to be full. And I don't care if that means 130,000 or 35,000. Um, it's just something that looks better, looks cool, whatever. But you got to... I would I'd rather have empty seats than some tarped up seats. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think you hit on a good point there is that if you make these races special so that there's a reason to come to them, because, I mean, you look at Kansas, right? Now, Kansas did have a good crowd a couple of weeks ago, but Kansas has two races. You know, what's... If I if I have the the budget, if there's a whole bunch of people that have the budget and the time to go to one race a year, right? And Kansas is their local track, then you're splitting those people up. Like you said with Dover, we see it with Pocono as well. Pocono the last couple of years has been one race weekend, whether it has a double header or not. And the last couple of years, they've sold out camping in the infield. They've had better crowds. They've had more more eyes on them because instead of it being, Oh my goodness, we're going back to Pocono again. It's, Hey, this is the year time of the year we go to Pocono, you know, New Hampshire, Michigan, those tracks, uh, as much as I hate that, like the Northeast is losing tracks. It's, it's benefited them all. Like I'm pretty sure Michigan has, I might've seen Michigan's already sold out camping for the year or something like that when they go there in August. So there is a big draw to it. I will say it would also be interesting for you mentioned the party deck. Instead of having these grandstands, I love the, the the aspect of North Wilkesboro had like these three different grandstands, but then they had like party decks. People could walk up to the fence. You like people could come. You know, local dirt track, right, Ethan? You got grandstands and then a couple grandstands and it's grass around. You could walk right up and sit your chair there, or whatever. Maybe something like that, but there's not stands all the way around. There's your big grandstands or whatever. But people are allowed to come up to the fence on the outside. Uh, of course, stay back a little bit, but bring your lawn chair. 20 bucks. 20 bucks to come come into the race facility and go find a seat. Anywhere. Like Walkins Glen. How much do we pay for those seats? 25 to walk around. And we found. Well, some- the, the, uh, the, the equivalent adult seats would be about 100 bucks. Well, I mean, like, that's, that's just cool stuff. Um, it really depends on the racetrack, though. One race, you could get away with a Dover where there's seats pretty much all the way from exit of exit into three and out of two. Um, so yeah, it all depends on the racetrack. Uh, North Wilkesboro, especially awesome, awesome, awesome. How about you go add 10,000 seats because those things will sell next year too. Yeah. Just fix the package, which we can get to now and, and fix things up a little bit. Um, you know, the, the package, still causes issues. Um, I, I, I think the tires were interesting as well. The race, of course, as we've alluded to, was not exactly a barn burner. It was still fun to watch. I enjoyed myself watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something beautiful about a beatdown by one yeah. driver. Now, it doesn't help that I like if it was like Denny Hamlin or something, dominating i might have felt differently about it but regardless oh connor what are you going to say ethan who was that driver that had the beat down this weekend it was kyle larson what did i say about last week with kyle larson i i forget i i know you picked him to win but exactly i picked him to win and how many points is that ethan it's two points. So what's the score now, Ethan? You lead it uh, two to three over Eric. Ah, man, just how I wanted it to unfold. But perfect. 
but yeah, uh, good old beatdown. That that was we we never see that anymore. Yeah, let's get into the top ten here before we uh, get any further, um, and then we can talk about the racing itself. Um, I guess racing reference might not have it. It might not be as easy. So we'll go on NASCAR.com. So coming home in tenth place, we have Joey Logano. Not much to say there. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case for a lot of people. Not much to say, except when it comes for Kyle Larson. But coming home in ninth, do have something to say for Ty Gibbs, however. His picker won the pit stop challenge, uh, $100,000. Awesome. So cool for the pit crew to have that have that opportunity to show what they're all made of. Wish it was some other driver. But um, anyway, it, it was cool uh, that their pit crew could show off. And uh, the open race, Ty Gibbs had to race his way in. And... Um, so the top two would go and the fan vote would go, uh, Alex Bowman fill in right now is Alex Bowman still returning from injury. Josh Berry won the open. He was in with Ty Gibbs finishing second. Both of those drivers advance and Noah Gregson gets the fan vote, even though his car was beat up. He, uh, Noah Gregson actually Gregson managed to hit the pit wall. Yeah. Um, the little extend out they made, but Ty Gibbs, um, those three drivers weren't the main, main focus on that open race coming out of it. Um, Ethan's driver, who we have seen to be very nice and never doing anything dumb or mean or anything, no payback, retaliation, anything of those lines. I'm gonna let Ethan talk about it. But Ethan, what what did what happened? Like, what did Michael McDowell do this week? The the storyline coming out was just as we expected about Michael McDowell and Ty Gibbs. Nothing about. Ross Chastain, rest. Ross Chastain was virtually uh, not mentioned at all. Didn't have any issues. What you're saying is Ty Gibbs did something stupid, right? Yes, Ty Gibbs. Did, well, and, and McDowell is stupid too because he didn't. He didn't. He tried, but he he should have. <laughs> he should have wiped that guy out. Because let's see. All right, so I, I forget. It was like. Second restart, third restart, something like that. Um, the the open was what was it, a hundred laps, right? Yep. So forty laps in, they had a competition caution. It was tame until the competition caution, and then on the restart, Gregson has his wreck. A couple guys get jumped up. Second restart, you have Michael McDowell and, and Justin Haley battling for fourth or fifth. Ty Gibbs following them. And McDowell, McDowell gets off the bottom a little bit in the corner. And because the line they were running, there was some concrete and asphalt below the line that everyone was running. Ty Gibbs thinks, hey, I'm going to go three wide on the inside of these two and it'll work. Except it didn't work because just at that time, Haley and McDowell were starting to come down off the corner. And of course, Ty Gibbs doesn't get any damage, but McDowell um, plows into Haley because they, they all come together. But Gibbs kind of rooted McDowell up out of the spot. And and Haley is done for the day. McDowell, uh, quote, told his team that he they probably could have been done for the day. McDowell told his team, quote, fix this car up so I can go get that 54. I don't know if you saw that audio. I did. I did. And and he goes back out there. He's slow. He's not winning a thing. Next time the leaders come by. He, he squeezes Gibbs down into the interior wall. Now, I am, at the time, I wasn't really paying attention besides the fact that uh, McDowell was, was crowding Gibbs because we were all going bananas watching. Um, but he could have done more. He really could have done more. And he said as such post-race, he said, I should have just taken him out. I shouldn't, I should have, I think he said, I should have sent him into the sand barrels. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm just it's just it was great because of how surprising it was I think it's that, way more fun when it comes from someone you don't expect like Michael McDowell although there have been a couple other times in his career that he has snapped which is just it's, it's awesome it's awesome to watch this is one of the first times that I think Michael McDowell's ever done anything like this and this is also the first time that I think we've ever this year that we've had a Ty Gibbs, Ty Gibbs moment. Yeah. Ty Gibbs. Yeah. I'll give him his credit. Ty Gibbs has 
done everything a rookie should do. Stay out of the headlines, get solid finishes, and get momentum to start your career. And he's done that. This is the first time he's done something stupid. Yeah. And this is the, as far as I can remember, this is the first time someone's really retaliated against Ty Gibbs on the racetrack. Because he did all that stupid stuff last year in Xfinity, and nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. He started that fight with Sam Mayer. I am still shocked that Brandon Jones didn't come and knock him out after Martinsville. I do like, think I do think it's because it's the all-star race open and there's really NASCAR wouldn't do anything about it. And the fans it, it was it was a better situation to be in where these other guys I still got like races left and like it it just seemed like the all-star open you know, he could get away with it without a penalty. Yeah. And it's also the first time he's been relevant this year, just about because he has not, he's been all right, but he has not been um, up front most of the time. So overall the open was fantastic. I love the open. It's a shame that McDowell didn't do just a little bit more to make him miss the race. Cause that would be, Ultimately, what McDowell did had no effect on Ty. He didn't really get Ty back um, because Ty still made the open, still made the race, and he was, I think, the highest finishing driver from the open. Yes, he was. But you know, still uh, entertaining moment to say the least, and I think that was the best moment of the race day. Um, we can go on with the top 10 now. Eric Jones comes in eighth. Daniel Suarez in seventh. Suarez started on the pole, led the first 60 laps before Kyle Larson woke up and decided to be a second faster than anyone. Yeah, Suarez won the won the heat, his heat on uh, Saturday night. And he was he led like over 50 laps to begin the race. He looked like a car to beat. And then all of a sudden, to get in the second, the five just decided to go cheat mode and just drive past everybody and then lap everybody again. Um, yeah, but Daniel Suarez, he was fast this weekend, and he needs to keep this up because he's been on the struggle bus in the regular season. He needs going to the 600. He needs a solid top 10 finish badly because he uh, right now is out of the playoffs So or right on the bubble line. Um, so he needs to uh, start picking things up here as we get to this. I guess the all-star break is usually – for other sports, it's like midway point, but for NASCAR, it's a little bit on the earlier side. So, this second, no, we're this, we're halfway through the regular season. True, I guess the regular season. Yeah, that makes sense now. So we'll just say the second half, Suarez needs to pick it up. And in sixth place, though, Ryan Blaney. Uh, I mean, you could say whatever you want to say about these guys. They just they got they got destroyed um, by the race winner Kyle Larson. Which and just to get. I mean, it's first place gets a million dollars. Everyone else is thanks for playing. Um, but yeah, Ryan Blaney gets a solid sixth place finish. Chase Elliott finishes fifth. I think this is the most speed I've seen out of Elliott um, since he came back from his injury. He's been getting good finishes since he returned, but he hasn't had a ton of speed. He was competitive all night. He drove up through the field as well. Probably had some of what Larson had, but not all of what Larson had. Good run for Elliott, and I think going into the second half of the regular season, I feel like it's pretty promising for 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 the nine team and and them growing and and, and getting getting back up to speed. Yeah, you'll know they'll get their win or two uh, here in the second half. They'll they'll be right right there in the going into the playoffs. And fourth, Chase Briscoe, very solid day for him for Storehouse Racing that team. Storehouse Racing, uh, yeah. A little disappointing from Kevin Harvick. Uh, 29 car going into the weekend. Thought it would be a really cool story. And he uh, lays an egg all the way back in 18th. Um, but Chase Briscoe was very good. He started fifth. He finished fourth. He needs to keep that momentum going. He's been on a very, you know, he's been doing Chase Briscoe things. He needs to get that one or two to kind of boost himself into the playoffs. Yep. Teammates Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace finished second and third. Wallace in second, Reddick in third. And Kyle Larson, as we've mentioned many times, is the winner. The two Toyotas for 23-11 had looked like for a moment might have had a shot, and then they didn't. 
But uh, they ultimately finished, Bubba finished four and a half seconds behind Larson. Reddick was 6.7 seconds. Just a total beatdown by Larson. He's now won at three short tracks this year. And it feels like, even though this win does not go to uh, any points or anything like that, feels like this is the start of a great run for Larson because he has been the fastest car this year. And I don't think anyone can deny that. And Larson is is back. Um, I think I think we can say Kyle Larson is back after a mediocre twenty twenty three where he finished like fifth in points and and won three races. But he's back. Yeah, and he was not going to repeat a ten win season from his championship season the year prior. But Kyle Larson, like, if you didn't watch this race. Go on to NASCAR's Instagram. They posted like a time loop of him passing everybody. He sucked on Saturday. Qualifying, heat race, just was not good. Non-existent. Comes into the race, goes down pit road, early caution for a uh, Ricky spin, uh, spin house, uh, spin, whatever that was. And he goes down there and you think nothing of it. Other guys went down to get tires. A lot of people stayed out and just runs away. Started in the very back because he had also had a penalty on that pit stop. He goes from 24th to first. And then this is that lap like 17, 18. And then puts 12 more seconds on the field from him from second place for the 100 lap uh, caution break. He did that in 80 laps, a little over 80 laps. Passed everybody and then gained 12 more seconds on second place. Like that never happens, especially since this new car. The whole new car motto was even playing surfaces for everybody. Everybody will be even equal or type more racing, a lot more, a lot more competition. There was no competition. It was Kyle Larson. That was it. And he dominated. And then you thought, oh, okay, whatever. He was on fresher tires at the 100 lap break. The guys like Suarez, the 20, 23-11 team will kind of get going again, and they'll give Larson a run for his money. Nope. Goes dust him seven, eight seconds on same equal tires, everything. And we're like, how is this car running so much faster than everybody else? And car passed inspection. Absolutely cheated up. I don't care if it passed inspection. I'm not even mad, but that that thing. I saw someone on NASCAR Genius on Twitter, I think, said, put the dyno on that thing. See how much horsepower that engine actually had. Because I don't know. Is Larson that good? Well, I'll tell you this. HMS did say that reports came out that they were tweaking and stuff with they were from races prior in the season, their short short pack, short track package. They switched some things up just to learn some things. And if they found something in that five car, they had to have, right? Because they had to have something because there's no way you outrun everybody. And I think whatever they did to the five car to tweak that, because it's not a points paying race. So they're going to try to find something to make them better. And if they found something, watch out for H- HMS because that thing passed inspection. That thing was legal. And if HMS has this and no one else has this, yeah, HMS is going to go one, two, three, four, everything. It'll be the first team ever to have all four of their drivers in the championship four round because whatever. We say that every year and then someone someone has an issue. Well, whatever that was, I mean, if they have that, if they have what Larson had, good luck and just you know start fighting for fifth. Goodbye, Sia. Because I mean, you look at this season, right? Larson won at Richmond. He won at Martinsville, and now he wins here at Wilkesboro. Short short track king at, at tracks that he admittedly struggled and struggled at. And you also want to you take a look this season, right? He's led 582 laps in points races, right? Mm-hmm. Most of those laps led him come in races he didn't win. Martinsville, he only led 30 laps. Richmond, he led 93. The, the, that, that accounts for just over 100 of the, like, nearly 600. He's led a ton of laps this year. I mean, if you add his Wilkesboro stuff in, that's another 150 laps led. He's been, I mean, you look down at this list, right? So Fontana, he was crazy fast. They have that weird battery issue that they lose 10 laps on, right? 
Yeah. Las Vegas, great. Loses to William Byron on a restart. Phoenix, great. Loses to William Byron on a restart. Right? Mm-hmm. Richmond, he wins. Bristol Dirt, he gets the pole and he gets into a, 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 a shoving match with Ryan Priest on the track and he gets wrecked. He led laps there. Martinsville, he wins. Dover, who knows what happens at Dover if Chastain doesn't do Chastain things. Kansas, if Hamlin doesn't get into if that race is one lap shorter, he's he was one at Kansas. And Darlington, once again, gets at it again with Chastain. I mean, he could have, if if things fell his way, he could have five or six wins already at this point this season. And someone pointed this out that someone on Twitter I saw pointed this out that the parallels to 2021, his dominant season, are are, are crazy. So through 13 races in 2021, he only had one win, but he had led a ton of laps. He was he looked phenomenal. And and then once once the the once we got to Charlotte, he took off. Mm-hmm. Once we got to Charlotte, Larson took off. And I think I really think coming up like we've got less wild cards coming up. Over the summer, the summer is pretty tame in terms of wild cards. I think we're going to see Kyle Larson starting to run away because it certainly looks like it based off of uh, off of the the start of the year. Yeah, and I'll tell you this: Larson has had a great year, and he could he could have won every race pretty much if he really wanted to. He's been the best driver in the field. But I want to say this: Year two of the next gen, teams are trying to figure things out. HMS is ahead of everybody. Bowman, and Chevrolet to an extent. Yeah, but I'm I'm talking about HMS here. HMS Bowman had the best, had most top tens, and he was if he didn't get hurt, I think he would have won a race in the next week or two. He was that fast. Byron three wins has you know has his races here and there. This weekend wasn't his greatest week. We'll have his down races, but he's been competing for wins every week. It feels like Elliot missed a lot of time, but Elliot has been finding ways to get it done at the end and get good finishes, and he's going to win a race soon. HMS is ahead of everybody, and I think that they're ahead of everybody by a lot. You can say all you want about Joe Gibbs, but you got a rookie driver with Joe Gibbs. Their future's uncertain, and Joe Gibbs is, no, I don't think is anywhere near HMS. Larson has had a great year and has chances to win, but during those chances he's won and races he's won, he's had to beat people that were very competitive next to him. This past weekend, there was no. You had those same drivers that have been racing them hard all season, and all I'm saying is, if, if I think HMS has found something even more, they were already ahead, and I believe they found something else, and this could be insane because, you know, the whole talk two years ago was who's going to get off to a good start, who's going to find the tweaks here and there that they could they could gain some extra you know extra speed. HMS is ahead of everybody. I think they're ahead of everybody by a big step. If they, I think, because they had to have find, find something else this weekend because that was that car was ridiculous. And if they found something else, I, you can. Larson is also what I believe a top ten race car driver of all time. Ethan, you can say whatever you want about that. We can get that conversation on, done. on talent, yeah. sure, but typically we measure that on on results. Yeah. All I'm saying is Larson could win a Rickware racing car at a mile and a half. Where the big dogs went. I, I promise you, Kyle Larson could do that. I totally believe that. You can say all you want about him being North Wilkesboro, but he beat people by 10, 15 seconds. Like he was destroying them. So all I'm saying is, I think HMS was already had and they found something else and mark it in. I've got two, two HMS drivers right now making the final four. Yeah. I mean, Chevrolet started the season on, on a, Good on a crazy winning streak. They've uh, they 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 have the summer coming up that Hedrick typically dominates and runs really well in. I think I, I would agree with you, and, and I think Larson is absolutely the favorite, followed closely by William Byron, and then there's a big gap to everyone else. So um, as we wrap this segment up, got to do our smooth move of the race, Connor. Do you have one? Have one in your mind. I need a minute to think of mine, but uh, does, it count one? For, does it count for the open? Oh yeah, for sure. We can talk about the whole weekend. Okay. Well, you want 
I feel like you're gonna take that one with the open. You, you know what I'm talking No, about? no, no, no. I, 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 I'm thinking going something different. You can take that one. Well, no one has ever gotten back at Ty Gibbs, and I've just found this whole thing amazing. How the 48 car, even though it's not Bowman, but it's Barry passes him, he runs off with the win, and Michael McDowell of all the you would think of all the people in the field, who would be the one to wreck someone because they're angry? The bottom would probably be Michael McDowell. Last one I would pick to see him wrecking someone. And his names, especially Ty Gibbs and Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, that's been a brat in the Xfinity Series for years, and he's never really gotten any payback for it. For Michael McDowell to do that, that's my smooth move of the week. Slamming the 54 into, into the inside retaining wall there. Next time, as he said. Firewall deep. <laughs> I will go with Cliff Daniels and the five team for making the decision to pit Kyle Larson 15 laps into the all-star race, get him fresh tires and letting him go and not touching the thing for the rest of the night, because that was one heck of a, a beat down by the five team in general. That's pretty smooth. And, and, and it gave them the track position to, uh, to, to go out and win that race. So I think, I, I, I do think, um, track position as much as it shouldn't still matters at short tracks, with this package and by getting him the lead with that tire strategy that enabled him at the midway break to, to just take off and, and go set sail um, in the second half of the all-star race. So that'll do it uh, for this segment. And coming up next, we will have our new segment for the week. That's up next on the quick pit podcast. Quit Pit Podcast. You made it to the second segment on this week's show. We're doing our weekly news segment. A lot of a lot of big news happened um, over this past week or so that we're uh, going to dive down deep and and kind of give you guys all the brand new information that we we have come to learn. Ethan, want to get us started with the first piece of news? First, well, let's start with the big one, and then there's some other smaller stuff as well that happened this week. But Josh Berry, who has been uh, stellar in the Xfinity series for the last couple of years, kind of a late bloomer. Uh, he's already in his thirties, not your typical prospect, but he has really shown he has talent, especially at short tracks. Um, but really talent everywhere driving for junior motorsports right now, full time in the Xfinity series. He made the, the round of four last year. Uh, the final four I think finished third in the championship. I'm not sure, but He's been filling in for Hendrick Motorsports drivers Chase Elliott and Alex Bowman this year as they have both been injured. He's done a really good job, uh, all things considered, getting used to the next-gen car. I don't have his numbers pulled up right now, but him and Josh Berry, or him and Josh Berry, uh, he's set to sign with Kevin Harvick Incorporated, which is Kevin Harvick's management agency, and it looks like he will be uh, replacing Harvick uh, next season at Stuart Haas Racing. Him and uh, Barry and Stuart Haas Racing are working towards finalizing a contract as reported by Jordan Bianchi of The Athletic that would see Barry drive full-time for the team in 2024. So he probably would be the Harvick replacement. Um, I think this is great for, for, for all parties because let's face it, there's no good rides available or opening up anytime soon at Chevrolet, right? You look at all the top Chevy teams and they're all booked. Hendrick full Hendrick could have the same lineup for the next 15 years. RCR Austin Dillon's not going anywhere. Kyle Busch isn't going anywhere. Track house Maybe, but would Barry be any upgrade over Daniel Suarez? I don't think so. They don't seem to be expanding. There's no, you know, Chevy has so many talented drivers in their pipeline. They had to let this one go. And for Stuart Haas Racing, you're getting a driver with an impressive pedigree, a, a real racers racer, um, which Tony really seems to like. Harvick seems to like. 
and and a, and a good brand manager as well. I, I think this is a win-win for everyone. Yeah, this is this is not your typical rookie next year. Uh, as you said, he's he's in his thirties. He's very experienced. You saw what he did with the the nine car and forty eight car in his times in those seats. He will come up and be a very good replacement for Kevin Harvick, and he could go win races. It's a great move for Josh Berry to be in a top level tier car. We could say all we want about the Ford slump, but at, SHR has the reputation uh, representation of being a very very good NASCAR Cup team. So he's in a great ride, great situation with Josh Berry, and this is a fantastic replacement for Harvick to match up in H- NSHR's team. And as you said, with Chevy, they're booked. The only way I could have seen Josh Berry going to a Chevy-affiliated uh, team was like a track house becoming a third-car team or the RCR becoming a third-round, uh, third, a third-car team. These H- HMS is like booked. Like they, as you said, could have the next, had the same. Start starting four drivers next 15 years and the track house won't change anything with Chastain and Suarez. That's their, like, that's the face of their franchise. Uh, yeah. face of their, even, uh, even though Suarez doesn't get the, get the results. He's great for media. He's great for sponsors. He, he, uh, he brings in that money and yes. that's all that matters. And Josh Berry will probably do the same thing. He has a bunch of sponsors on him. He's a great guy for sponsors to have them rep, have him represent their brand. So SHR, this is a win for everybody. It it's unfortunate for Chevy, but it's also a good problem to have when you have so many talented drivers. And of course, when you have so many talented drivers, you're gonna have to let one or two that you really like go. So um it sucks to see with the Noah Gregson situation, how he wasn't a Chevy and going to Toyota, and now you're losing Josh Berry. But this is a very good problem to have if you're Chevy. Great for Josh Berry and great for SHR. It's a win all the way around. Yeah. And you know, he this season, so in eight starts this year. Um, five in the nine car, three in the 48, which that was the other major news. Alex Bowman is confirmed back this week. Um, if you haven't heard already, he will be back in the car at the 600. He ran a whole bunch of laps at North Wilkesboro this week to, to prepare himself and make sure he's healthy and he feels good. He feels ready. There's been, he's been doing sponsor appearances and, and, uh, fan day appearances for his sprint car team and for Hendrick all week. He looks good. He looks healthy. He looks ready to get back in the car. Um, but Barry this year, uh, he had two starts in 2021 for Spire, um, which that's Spire. But this year, eight starts, um, eight races for Hendrick, one top five, three top tens, an average finish of 18.9 and five lead lap finishes. All things considered, given that that's his first laps in the next gen car, that's really impressive. And if you extrapolate that over the course of a full season, you're looking at better or on par with what most rookies do, you know? And now we'll be jumping into a Ford team, probably the four car, the most sponsors, Rodney Childers, who is a fantastic crew chief, top five crew chief in the garage. Let's face it, the four and the 14 get more attention than the other two cars at Stuart Haas Racing, especially the four. Although I think, I would think that Briscoe would become the top car after Harvick leaves. Um we don't know what Almirola and Priest look like. I don't think they'd give up on Priest after one year. Almirola, we're not sure when he's going to retire. So there might be another opening at the team. But at the very least, for SHR, there's been a lot of discussion. You know, what's Haas going to do once, Har- uh, once Harvick leaves? Because it didn't look like they had much talent in the pipeline. It's like you look at what Ford has in the pipeline where Riley Herbst is your top prospect. In the Xfinity series, that doesn't excite you. Josh Berry excites me. Josh Berry, I want to see how he does, and I think he can become a race-winning driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. Yeah, it's you hit it right on the head. Josh Berry is a great replacement, and he will go win races. Great replacement. If you're if you're SHR and Tony Stewart and company, I would be thrilled that you got Josh Berry, who's not going to come in as a, like a rookie and start tearing up your cars. He's going to come in as a very experienced rookie. He's going to come in. And he could win. He could take that car in victory lane once or twice in his first year. As you said, I think Chase Briscoe will be the the best car in that group, and I think Josh Bray will fit in second. Because to be honest, the SHR this is a great start for them, but they gotta start building up for their future. Almirola probably only has two. Like he doesn't have. You don't see him Almirola five years down the road. You see him, you know, one or two, three more years. Believe the deal he signed at the end of last season was for two more years. So but the second year was a either a team or driver option. So I think he could decide he 
the team or him could get out of it after this season. Yeah. So you, this is a great start for SHR. Get Josh Berry. Great. You have Chase Briscoe for your scum. I'm not completely sold on Ryan Priest, however. I do like the guy. I think he's good for the sport, but can he win races? I don't know if it's him or the car or what, but that's not the topic. I'm just saying this is a great start for, for SHR to get Josh Berry, but they need to start building up some more. They need to get more guys in their pipe system so they can work up and have someone fill in for an Almirola or if they need to a Priest because that 41 car, I, I feel like if Priest doesn't work out, it's just gonna, it's like a rotating of drivers and it can't, nothing can stick. So um, great start. Get Josh Berry on, the, on your team. That, that's fantastic. But let's, SHR needs to really start building up the pipe system. Priest is yet to score a top 10 with the team. He has an average finish of 24.2, which is actually, uh, it's worse than he did in his last year at uh, JTG Darty. Uh, in 2021. So he, he now he did win the pole at Martinsville and was fast at Martinsville, led over 100 laps there, but had a speeding penalty and, and he couldn't make up the track position. So he's shown flashes. He was good at the Coliseum. He's had some solid runs. He's also had a bunch of terrible luck. I think three races in a row he was running at least decently and there was a last lap crash involving him. But yeah, he got to start finishing races. You got to start running. He only has five lead lap finishes and, and he's already DNF four times. So Reese will be a really interesting guy to keep an eye on this summer to see if he can improve. But you're right. I haven't seen much improvement over Cole Custer, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. But I, I, I feel a lot better for this team than if they had put Riley Herbst in, than if you had gone out and gotten another veteran. I mean... I think one guy you should still keep it, your eye on, especially if another car opens up, is Todd Gilliland. It doesn't look like um, it doesn't look like Front Row either wants to keep him or is able to keep him with sponsorship. Uh, and, and Haas is a team that could bring him in and put him in the Smithfield car or something like that. But uh, regardless, great move. I, I, I really think it's a, a really solid improvement for the team, and I think he'll be. A good driver next year. Now, the other question is sponsorship because it was reported earlier this year that Anheuser-Busch wants to stay in the sport but is not sure if they want to stay with Stuart Haas Racing after Harvick retires. And and Ross Chastain was considered the front runner. I think they want more of a uh, a rough-around-the-edges kind of driver. And and if you're Stuart Haas trying to keep Anheuser-Busch, I think Josh Berry is the perfect guy to replace him with i mean junior's favorite driver give him the bud give him the bud car back yeah i mean i think if you're if you're but like chastain he has his sponsors i don't you're not gonna get much much sponsorship any team will take any sponsorship they can get yeah well i'm just saying but if if they want to stick in the sport like big time be on the car a lot I think Josh Berry is perfect. Like, this is a guy, as you said, Dale Jr.'s favorite driver was brought up tons of fans. Like, I don't know a single person that hates him. I mean, there might not be people. Like, I'm a fan of his. I'm not, like, a huge fan. But I could, you know, you know, it might be one of those where I might go grab a grab a, his die cast or whatever. It's just something that it's a great driver, and he's a great guy that he would represent your brand very, very nicely. So, I mean... I think Josh Berry is perfect for that. And I think Josh Berry, this works. I don't I don't know how much I want to say it, but this works. It's a win for everybody involved. It's a win for sponsors. It's a win for Barry himself. It's a win for SHR. And it's not really a loss for Chevrolet. It's just a good problem to have. So um, it's, it's, it's exciting. I'll be having my eyes on Barry next year. I'll be looking forward to it and hoping to see him cross the finish line in first place a couple times. Not in front of uh, Alex Bowman, though. <laughs> Now Bowman will, you know, he'll he'll get his like seven yeah. wins next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Some other news for the week. As we mentioned, Bowman is returning this week. He should be all right. It's a it's a it's a it's a Dale Jr. kind of news segment because the last bit of news, uh Junior uh and Junior Motorsports unveiled his paint scheme for his yearly Xfinity series race. What? You went past the Bowman news and didn't even give the Bowman fan a chance to talk. Because we already talked about it. I mean, uh, what else is there to say? He's back. Great. He should be fast. He should be healthy. 
he's going to win the race. That's what you need to say. Well, that's something you got to say for the previous segment. All right. Don't spoil mm-hmm. it for the listeners. Mm-hmm. All right. So Dale Jr. is running Bristol this year in the Xfinity series, which should be a treat to see. He loves Bristol. And he'll be running the 88 with the Hellman, Hellman, Hellman's mayonnaise car. I think, so have you heard about Junior and his mayonnaise and banana sandwiches? Yeah. I feel like it's I've been discussed it. on here before. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of it over the years. We need to make that a subject of a bet. Do we, though? Yes. Okay, how about this? Whoever finishes last between me, you, and Eric in our picking contest will eat a mayonnaise and banana sandwich live on the podcast. For NASCAR, for NASCAR, yeah, for NASCAR. So, like, whoever finishes last, oh, race. overall, overall, like for the whole season, whoever scores the least points. Oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. All right, let's do that. Yeah, I got, I got, the, I got those three wins. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna. It'll be really funny if he agrees to this and then doesn't do it. So, and, and finishes last. So, yeah. Anyway, it would be really funny if you could get some sort of banana sponsor with this mayonnaise car. You know, like half the car, half the car is uh, Hellman's mayonnaise, and the other half is uh, what? What's Bana- what? banana split it? Have bananas on the side, have the car, <laughs> and have the mayonnaise straight on the hood over top of the car and back down off of it, and with the bananas smacked on the side. That is fantastic. Get the paint scheme designers on that one. Yeah, 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 we we got we got to ask someone for a paint scheme design of the banana split with mayonnaise. I would run that in iRacing. I would run that in iRacing. All right. Uh, anyway, Junior's running again. That'll be a fun race to watch with him in it. Uh, he should be pretty good, as he typically is. Any other news for the week? Um, oh, I feel like we should mention it, especially since we're going to be there uh, on Monday morning or Monday afternoon practice, one of the last practices for the Indy 500. Uh, there's a bad crash involving Catherine Legg and Stefan Wilson. Wilson was hospitalized and uh, fractured a couple of vertebrae. He was in surgery, came out of surgery, uh, doing well, healing. Uh, thoughts and prayers out to him, though. He will not race uh, in the Indy 500 this weekend, as he had qualified to do. And Graham Rahal, who had been the one driver to miss the field on qualifying over the weekend, will fill in to replace him. So, uh, some little bit of Indy 500 news coming up. Uh, but otherwise, I think we can get into our preview for a very, very big weekend for us here at the podcast. Unless you have any more news, I think we can go into a, a preview segment that I am excited for. We'll, yeah, we'll put probably, it that probably one of the bigger preview segments we've ever done. So, uh, yes, sir. Let, let's head over to that. Yes, sir. Coming up next on the Quick Pit Podcast, the 213similar.com race preview segment, special Memorial Day edition that's up next on the Quick Pit Podcast. the quick pit podcast i'm your host ethan joined by connor as always you have made it to segment number three 213 somewhere.com race preview segment check out 213 somewhere.com for all your sim racing merchandise needs links in the description below connor it's a very special week what week is it what is coming up this weekend we only have there's only one or two small little races and uh it's not super exciting is it uh, no, it's just kind of another weekend, you know, just another probably boring race in NASCAR. Oh, wait, um, there's actually three races this weekend. And it's also actually Memorial Day weekend, which is also known on Sunday as the biggest day in motorsports every year. You have uh, the uh, one that people probably won't watch, kind of a little boring compared to the other two. Uh, the Formula One Grand Prix. At... Finish it off for me. The Monaco Grand Prix. The, the, the most overhyped and boring 
F1 race. I got to say, it is cool because the city's cool, but they can't pass. It's it's a tiny little city street. There's there's even less passing than Formula One typically has. If you want something exciting from Formula One, watch qualifying because whoever wins qualifying will win the race. I just about guarantee it. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. But we don't talk about that because it's in reserve air times. It's boring. But then the big two races, the one starting off first, which will be there. We will be live there during the race this weekend. We're heading up or well, heading west, I guess you could say. Uh, the nine and a half, nine, nine and a half hour journey to the Indy 500. We are like, this is bucket list type material here where we get to put a check mark next to this say, yeah, we've been there. The 107th running of the Indy 500. Like, we're going to be there. In in two days, we're recording this at 3.30 on Thursday, Eastern Time, May 25th. In two days, we're going to be boots on the ground in the city of Indianapolis. We're very, very excited. Also, Colin, well, you, kind of, you kind of just, like, kind of sort of gave away where we, where we live, but, you know, that's fine. Well, will we be there? Because it's 3.30. You We're leaving be, early, man. Yeah, how many stops we have to take? I'm saying one stop it. We can one stop. We can absolutely one stop. It's my mom that's going to be the issue. We go. We got. We got to make the back truck into a bathroom. Well, and, and Donovan too, because he's going to drink about four Mountain Dews in the first three <laughs> hours, and he's going to have to be. That stuff runs right through you, but it's more looking like two or three stops, probably. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know how uh, for a lot of road course races, there's, there's, there's different. You, you try and stop as little as possible, right? And you can yeah. either have the aggressive strategy with an extra stop, or, or so. So basically, what we're gonna have to do, we're either gonna have to be really conservative on our uh, food and drink consumption if we want to make the one stop work. Well, I'm saying it's it's not. Let's say it's nine hours, right? 6 a.m., right? We wake up and we fall right back to sleep and we book it five hours. Pedal to the metal, five hours down. So we leave at six, right? Let's you're supposed to be here. Oh, yeah. That's that's when, that, yeah, that's when you are going to be here. We so should let's say we leave. Okay. We, we Do you think people want to be listening to our planning? Okay. Let's get into the previewing. All right. So we will be at the Indy 500. We'll be in turn three. We're going to be there bright and early all day, probably, because the traffic is nuts, I've heard. So we'll, we'll, we'll be waiting around there. Before we get any further, let's announce this uh, challenge that we're doing. The Memorial Day Triple Header Challenge in partnership with uh, the Triple Podcast Challenge in partnership with the NASCAR Gam- Gambling Podcast and Blind Spotting NASCAR Podcast, two friends of the show. We're partnering with them. We're promoting this together. We're, we're doing prizes together. Check out uh, any one of our social medias. Uh, we, I believe, have the, the tweet pinned with the link to the Google form. It's really, really simple. You, you pick three drivers for the Monaco Grand Prix in Formula One. You pick three drivers for the Indy 500. And you pick three drivers for the Coke 600. And whoever scores the most points, not from their series, but we're going to give points. So, like, for NASCAR, 37 entries. The winner gets 37 points. Last place gets one point. Really simple. Same across the board. So no wonky, you know, F1 has a really weird points uh, system. NASCAR gives stage points. Doesn't matter if a driver wins stage points or leads laps or whatever and gets bonus points for that. So regardless, go fill that out. Connor, have you filled one out? I have not yet. I was kind of waiting for uh... – Waiting to see the qualifying and stuff, but we we have a long long drive. I can just you know wait to see how the week progresses and then I enter. That's true. That's true. I think we said uh, uh, entries due Saturday night. I, I'll we'll accept any entry that comes in before the start of the F one race, which I think is ten Eastern. So um, well, like because I can see when all the entries came in. So we have we have like fifteen entries so far, which is great. If you're listening, haven't entered yet, go enter. Um and, and see how you do. Uh oh my gosh, my cat's trying to get out of my room. She got she got herself locked in. 
Anyway. Yeah, just if you like go enter, like it takes two minutes of your time. Yes. It's it's just for fun. Like there's it's a fun thing to do. Two it's minutes. It's free. It's free. There's nothing, there's no like nothing like rigged or anything. Just go enter two minutes, have some fun. We have this set up. It's pretty cool. Big race, big weekend of racing, biggest weekend of the year. Go, go enter. It takes two minutes. We'll keep posting stuff about it. You'll see it all over social media. I post it on Instagram. Speaking of which, Instagram, go follow because we've had some great content out recently. Some great posts. Tune so. your own horn, Connor. Yeah. Uh, just go enter. It's it's a no-brainer. It takes two minutes. Have some fun with us. Yes. Uh, NASCAR Gambling has offered a gift card to their merch store um, for winning. And for the winner, and uh, we have offered a a uh, one sixty four NASCAR IndyCar diecast of your choice and a sticker. We can send you a sticker. So you're telling me it takes two minutes, and there's only fifteen entries, and we have that yes. chance to win all that. I stuff? know. Well, now, granted, we it, it went live two days ago, and we haven't had an episode published, but still, go enter. What are you to lose? What are you to lose? I mean. Two minutes of your time and you could win all this free stuff? I mean, no. the world we live in is all about free stuff these days. This is a no-brainer. You know how they say nothing is ever free? Yeah. This is actually free. <laughs> You're I not know. giving anything up. And we don't need any of your stupid information like we've always seen the other. We don't need your where you live. Actually, as the, actually the form does record your email, so. Well, that's your email. What are we going to do? We're not, we're not did have, I, I did put a box for people to answer their uh social media handle if they wanted to so we could actually shout them out and give them a little publicity but regardless takes two minutes it's a drop down menu you don't even have to know anything about the field you don't have to look anything up it's all typed in you just select the driver from the drop down all the whole field is in there in uh not none of them are in qualifying order they're in numerical order but um still Go go do it. It's it's worth your time. Now we're, let let's finally get into the preview part after we've talked on and on. So you said Monaco is at uh, ten o'clock Eastern, I believe, or maybe maybe it's at eight. Hold on, we will find it out. Monaco Grand Prix this year starts at nine a.m. Eastern. That'll take about two hours. Then you can you can take a break for lunch or. If you go to church, you come home from church, watch the end of the uh, Monaco Grand Prix, turn NBC on for pre-race coverage of the Indy 500. That'll go green around 1230 Eastern, and then the Coke 600 will go green around. uh, Well, Connor, you have the track packs for that. Let's roll with the track packs first for for the Coke 600 and the Indy 500. Yeah, so we'll start with the Coke 600. Coke 600 is the night race of the three three monster-headed uh, races this weekend. It will be at 6 p.m. on uh, in Coca-Cola 600, Concord, North Carolina, four and a lap, 600 miles, longest race of the season. Practice will be Saturday, the old, first and only practice at 7 o'clock, followed by qualifying that night at 7.45. Sunday, May 28th, 6 o'clock is race day. It's all on Fox. Keep that in mind, your track information. It is in Concord, North Carolina. It was built in 1960. It is intermediate. It is paved. 1.50 miles long, cost would be 55. And your odds, your top five are Ross Chastain in fifth with plus 900. Martin Truex Jr. in fourth plus 850. Denny Hamlin in third with plus 700. William Byron second plus 600. And the leader in the odds right now going into the weekend, plus 450 from who else but Kyle Larson. Uh, awesome, awesome. I think Larson's going to be the favorite for a while. He's been so so fast this week. Let's uh, we don't have to do picks for Monaco because um, that'll be Max Verstappen or Sergio Perez. It's going to be a Red Bull, and if it's not, I will eat my hat. Uh, for IndyCar, yo, uh, we're gonna timestamp that. We are gonna clip that because if that doesn't happen, that will be happening next week in the new segment live on air on the podcast. Jeez. All right. All right. Um, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> this will be well uh, for all the Formula One fans who have been begging for Verstappen or Red Bull to not win. You can you can thank me later. Um, let's look at the Indy 500. Alex Plow on the pole for Chip Ganassi Racing. That's a name most people recognize. Uh, we also have uh, 
Renus VK in second, and uh, Felix Rosenquist of McLaren starting third. Now, Connor, I don't know if you have the the qualifying order lined up, but I think we should, as we typically do, we do uh, our Indy 500 picks for the one for this one race, and that counts towards our picking challenge. So let's get our picks for that before we go any further with NASCAR. Um, who's your pick? Who who do you think? Who do you like? I I have kind of started to to fall in love with Santino Ferrucci. I don't know if you've seen this guy. He's got uh, his paint scheme is an American flag this week. That's all it is. Pretty cool guy. Drives for an underdog team, 14 car, AJ Foyt. We interviewed his teammate here uh, earlier this year, Benjamin Peterson. Both of them have been really fast for an underdog underdog team. Ferrucci's starting fourth. Who who are you looking at uh, to win the race? My pick will be Ferrucci. Who who do you think? Um, who do you think it's going to be? I want to go with Scott Dixon. Oh, you you might have just you might have just cursed him. <laughs> Why? Because he's been trying to win a second. He won the 2008 Indy 500. Scott Dixon, six-time champion, one of, potentially the greatest IndyCar driver of all time. He's choked away like the last three Indy 500s. So that means me picking him, he gets it done. Uh, sure. If, if, if you're that confident, sure. But all right, so, so Connor will go with Indy 500. Or with Indy 500, with Scott Dixon. Uh, Eric is going with Colton Herta for Andretti. Um, we won't do a Siri pick, or we'll do the Siri pick later, because, I, 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 yeah, I, we'll, we'll do that later. Um, Connor, who, who do you have your eye on for the cup race? Well, kind of almost, you know, gave it away, kind of did give it away in the second segment or new segment. But he's returning. Car's been fast, and he's drive. He before his injury, he drove the crap out of that car. Alex Bowman comes back for six hundred miles Sunday and wins the race. Just saying, that's my pick. Series pick for the Indy Five Hundred is Graham Rahal in the twenty-four. Uh, so Connor, your pick is Alex Bowman. I, I'm gonna go with Kyle Larson. Uh, I, I feel like I have to at this point. That's kind of the, the, the chalk pick. Um, you want to get series pick for, for the race while I get uh, Eric's? Yeah, sure. All right. So Eric's pick is, if it'll load, do, 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 do. Eric's pick is Kevin Harvick. Whoa, wouldn't that be cool? Kevin Harvick goes out and wins the Coke 600. That would be one heck of a way to to pull off to to end his career. I think he has won it once. Who's serious pick? Serious pick's going with Tyler Reddick. Going back to Eric's pick, that would be so cool. I don't think I don't think Ford has Ford has a speed for that right now. I don't think Ford is there yet, but. I would love to see a Kevin Harvick Coke 600 win going out. That would be so cool. Absolutely. I would have to agree that that would be really neat. Hopefully we get back to the house in time to, to watch the whole race. My plan is just to, if we would bring stuff to do in case we don't get out. Worst comes oh, we're worst, not going to get out. <laughs> worst comes to worst. I'll bring a power bank and have my phone plugged in and we can just watch it off my phone, set it up. Yeah. somewhere. I'm sure there would be other people there as well. What I have read I don't think I've told you this that that every a lot of people just wait afterwards for a couple hours to to just wait out traffic. Um, we can access most of the infield with our tickets, Connor. Um, the museum will be open post race. That's like fifteen dollar admission. Absolutely worth it. I went a couple years ago and we visited the track, not for a race, just to visit. But uh, we can always go to the museum. Or we could uh, do podcast stuff and interview people. <laughs> Go through that, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll have the time. We'll figure it out. Yes, sir. All right. So, any final thoughts as we get ready for the greatest day of racing in the year? Hope no. that this preview is actually helpful for previewing for you and not just for... Oh, oh, one thing I do want to mention for the cup race. Um, you know, Chevrolet has been really good at mile and a half. So have Toyota. 
Ford, a little iffy. But one thing I want to highlight here, guess who has the fifth best, really, no, sorry, of drivers who have actually ran most of the, uh, all, all of the last 10 races at, at Charlotte. Guess who has the fourth best average finish there? Is it going to be someone weird? It is someone weird. I'm absolutely going to put him in my fantasy lineup because of this, though. What's his manufacturer? He's a Chevy. Chevy? Ricky Stenhouse? It is Ricky Stenhouse. Hey, look at me go. In the last 10 races, so on, on, on racing reference, it gives you the uh, driver stats for the last 10 races for active drivers at the Charlotte Oval, right? Mm-hmm. So Martin Truex Jr. paces the field, average finish of 7.7. Then we have Tyler Reddick in second. But he only has four starts because he's young. Mm-hmm. We've got um, we've got Denny Hamlin there who has a win average finish of ten point two. He's ran all the last ten. Harrison Burton who only raced last year and finished eleventh, so he doesn't count. Kyle Busch and then after that Ricky Stenhouse. He has two top fives, four top tens, average finish of twelve point five, and one of only two drivers. So pardon three drivers on the list who's finished every race. In that span. And listen, he has a better car this year, I think, than he has had in his career. I think this is Stenhouse's best. He's having a career year. He won the Daytona 500, but he's been solid pretty much every every race this year. Yeah, he... We all thought he was going to fall off after Daytona. He hasn't. He's kind of, you know, been a good car. So I would not be surprised for him to have a top 10 finish at Coke 600 this weekend. He's currently 14th in points with an average finish of 14.0. That would be a career best by three whole positions if we were to finish the year at this pace. Right now, he's pointed his way into the playoffs, and he already has 10 lead lap finishes. Last year, he had 16 for the whole season. So Stenhouse, career year. Okay, that, that, that'll wrap up our, our preview. Final thoughts before we send this one off and get ready for Indy. No, it it will be a fun, fun weekend for every racing fan across the world. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Washington on the Daily, SpoilerDieCast.com, 213Simware.com. This is a Variety Sports Network program. Thank you to VSN for supporting us. Go check them out at the links below. All our partners at the links below. Our social media at the links below. Our merch store, which we still have up and running at the links below if you want a T-shirt or something or a hoodie. We should, we should wear our T-shirts. We should bring the T-shirts to Indy. Um, and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week with a big re- recap episode. We can actually recap this race that we're going to, unlike last time, because Connor got his teeth yanked out. Um, so thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Quick Pit Podcast. Enter the competition, please. <laughs>